Well, we're excited about what God's doing, excited for a great morning already, and I'm just pray- praying that that just seeds that were planted in your heart and the and work that God already started in your heart this morning, because I believe there was some. Amen? I believe that God was doing things already this morning. He's not just the man upstairs. He's not a far-off creature somewhere. He's the God of the universe who created us and who is intimately involved as much as we will allow him. And even when we resist him, he gives even the wicked the, the breath in their lungs. Without Jesus holding everything together, everything would cease to exist. And so we just we want to continually invite the working of the Lord and the Holy Spirit in our life and expect God encounters all the time. All the time. And that's what we talked about last week. Last week, Marnie and Jim and Stan and Marilyn Snaza, itinerant preachers, you know, uh, did such an amazing job talking about how do I prioritize Jesus? How do I, like just a blanket question, how do I prioritize Jesus this year? And we just talked about inviting Jesus, talked about all different things, but just inviting Jesus, not just on Sunday, but in my life. Inviting Jesus into our life, making room for God to show up Tuesday and Thursday afternoon and Friday night and Saturday morning, right? Like, not just while we're in church, but I want Jesus to be walking with me and speaking to me and speaking through me and ministering life all the time. Amen? That was last week. Now we're back to Philippians again. We are on the home show. We've been landing this plane for a little while. <laughs> It's a long runway. It's a big plane. But uh, aren't we glad we started with only a four-chapter book? Or, yeah, this has been a year and a half in Philippians. If this was a 20-chapter thing, I, we'd, you know, I'd be preaching the end of this to your great-grandkids. <laughs> but uh, we're in chapter four, and we're, this is the first time, if you, if you haven't been around for any of this, this is the first time that, that this church and myself has ever preached beginning to end every verse of a, a book in the Bible. Or, and... Uh, it's just been very cool, very interesting. Um, we've taken a few off-ramps, you know, and talked about a few different things, but, but all the way through, every single verse. And you know what it's done? Has anyone ever heard the term flyover country? You know, Midwest here, we're fly. You know, the coasts are important. We're, you know, whatever. We're Midwest here. We're, we're just flyover people. We're not, we're not that important, which I disagree with. But I feel like sometimes you get flyover verses in the Bible, you got verses that are on your refrigerator magnets, and you got verses that are on your coffee cup, and you got verses that are, you know, written in your journal, but there's a lot of connector verses that God must have just been not aware of or distracted because they somehow got in the Bible. Hmm. Are you listening to me? Are you with me? So preaching through verse by verse challenges you go, to, well, what are you going to preach on about these verses? And as you just sit in God's presence and, and you go that every jot and tittle, it says in the King James, you know, every, every little squiggle that's in the word of God is there for a reason. And you just start seeing beautiful connections all the way through. And so it's, it's, it's challenging. But all of a sudden, when the Holy Spirit unfolds that, you go, oh, that's why that's in there. We've got a couple flyover verses today as we get back into chapter four, and I, th- I hope you see the beauty of them. I, I think they're pretty cool. Maybe you'll disagree. I don't know. We'll see how you feel when we leave today. But uh, we started chapter four a little while back, 
And uh, this was the first verse in chapter 4. So Philippians, there's four chapters. This is the last chapter. We're already on verse uh, 10, but we're starting back at verse 1 just to, just to refresh ourselves. This is what verse 1 of chapter 4 starts out. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown. This, here's the key. Stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. So that's, that's what he was talking about. And then as we enter into chapter 4, he's telling us how to stand firm. And uh, I don't know, maybe you didn't get anything out of it, but what I felt like when the Lord kind of nudged my heart that the whole first section of Philippians chapter 4 is on mental and emotional health, man, that was transformative for me. And I saw things in the scripture that, I, like, because Paul is closing out. This is his last chapter. And he's wanting to, that's, this is the first verse. He's saying, come on, church, stand firm like this. And when we're not emotionally healthy and mentally healthy, we get, we get wishy-washy. We get, we get hung up on things that we don't need to be hung up on. And, and he's, Paul's saying here, like, like, separate yourself from anxiety and from anger. He talks about, you know, the two ladies that couldn't get along. He's like speaking to standing firm in our relationships and, and doing that well. He's like, let's be emotionally healthy. Let's be mentally healthy. Talking about anxiety, man, that stuff was, that was transformative. I just revisited that in my mind uh, a day or two ago. And it just was like, wow, God, you have given me such tools to help with my own anxiety that I didn't even realize I was super anxious. But I've been amazed at how much anxiety wants to creep into my heart that I didn't even recognize as anxiety. And it was crippling. And I was just, man, the freedom and the opportunity to choose one or the other. Sometimes I still choose anxiety. Sometimes you're just tired and you're like, I'll pick door B. And you just, right, you're just going to fret about something or be anxious. But now I have the choice. And more often than not, not every time, but more often than not, I can recognize that and go, oh, you're presenting an option to me, Mr. Anxiety. I'm not choosing you. And I'm able to hear the voice of the Lord more clearly. My emotions of my stomach feels better. My life walk is better. My, like, my emotional outbursts have decreased. Maybe. <laughs> I was just, I was checking on the, checking on the lie detector test on that one. <laughs> also known as my wife, right? <laughs> to see if I'm telling you the truth or not. I feel like I am, but maybe not. So we're transitioning. So we, you know, we talk about all that stuff and, and gentleness and, and uh, you know, think how our thoughts. He ended that section with think on these things and, you know, just true, whatever's true and lovely. Like taking control of the garbage that's in our mind that we don't even know is in there and becoming aware of that. That's happened to me over the last numbers of weeks. Thoughts would pop in and I wouldn't, I wouldn't catch them right away. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, what am I rehearsing in my head? Stop it. Like, and you just go, no, stop. And you, you have to start thinking about something else because you can't just tell a thought to stop. If you tell a thought to stop, guess what it's going to do? Like it's going to get it and two more of its friends and they're going to come and be like, I can't make a stop. Right? That's why, that's why Paul is saying whatever's true, whatever, like you got to replace that garbage with something that's good and excellent and praiseworthy. You've got to intentionally dwell on that. Come on, anyone in the house today, you got to think about those things to get this space to be not rotting fruit, right? One time in our basement, we, lived at, we built our own house. We lived in our basement for eight years. 
And uh, we have this little, we call it the coffee hutch. That's where all my coffee stuff is. But it's an old writing desk or whatever. And uh, unbeknownst to us, like there just was this smell in the house. Like just, I don't know. We, our kids are always smelly. So we, whatever, they, you know, they were little probably. And it's like someone got a bad diaper or something. What is, what's, they were, oh yeah, they were a little younger than they are now. Yep. And so... Is there a diaper going on? I'm like, what is it? We just, it was a while, and we could not figure it out. Well, we've got this wire basket thing, and in there was a bag of potatoes with good potatoes on the front side, and it's under the hutch thing, which is pretty small, so you can't really see it. Finally, we pull that out, and the trail of liquid comes after it, and you're like... <laughs> Ah, there it is. And a lot of you guys got a head full of rotting potatoes. Just being honest here. You know how I know that? Because you're human. So if, if you're human, you qualify for the rotting potato club. And that nasty rotting thinking just keeps churning around in and we don't even realize it and you're looking around why is things going wrong why am i feeling badly why do i why am i so in anxiety whatever and you got this bag of rotting potatoes in your head stinking up the whole inside and you don't even catch it so after we kind of did some of the teaching on thinking in your thought life like i've caught a few more of those probably only about 10% of what i should be catching but it's a little more aware. You're like, oh, I can't be dwelling on that thought. That's not going to produce anything good. Like, what is that? How is that going to help me? It's not. You know, spoiler alert, it's not going to help you. It's only going to make you feel worse and worse and worse. But we feel like we've got some control of the situation. If I keep dwelling on these thoughts, you don't. That's an illusion. You don't have any control over it. It's just making you rotten potatoes on the inside. So Paul then moves on to this next section. And I was so excited to see this. And I, I don't have a, like, mental and emotional health was what the other section was. This is healthy living in the end of, or at this end section of Philippians 4. And it's, it's like, I don't know. Let's just read the verse and you see what you think. So starting in verse 10, this is kind of the next section now after our thinking and anxiety and all that other stuff. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but had no opportunity to show it, right? Awesome, powerful theological truths packed in this verse, right? <laughs> this is a verse. This is a flyover verse. We would read this and it'd be like, okay, that's part of Paul's story. And it is. There's a context for these verses. Absolutely. Paul was in prison. Do you remember this? Do you remember the Philippian story? Okay, this is one of the prison epistles. Paul's in prison writing this. The prisons weren't, we're going to read that in just a little bit. The prisons weren't very good back in those days. It wasn't like jail now where you get your meals and everything. And uh, he was, uh, Epaphroditus was the guy that came and brought the gift of money. And then Paul sent this letter to the Philippians back with Epaphroditus. So we know he was very trustworthy because we have the letter today. So he must have delivered it. Must have got to where it was supposed to be going. And so that's the context of all this. And Paul is just kind of, as he's landing the plane here, closing out the letter to the Philippian church. Remember, he just got done with this whole section on how you can stand firm, but he's still in that section. He started chapter four with this is how you stand firm. This is still part of how we stand firm. I don't really get it. 
Well, this whole next section is, this isn't, I don't know how, I, don't, I wish I had a better title for it. But this is what I could kind of come up with. Healthy, so instead of healthy emotions and, and mental thinking, healthy kingdom flow, how my life flows. You know, we're going to talk about, you know, contentment and generosity and, and giving and receiving and just the flow of, of gifts and resources. There's a way to do that in a healthy way, and there's a way to all kinds of ways to not do that healthy. And so now he's starting that section by kind of just highlighting the church in the in Philippi, saying, "Hey, you sent this gift with Epaphroditus." So he said, first, there's three things that need to converge." for this flow of the kingdom of God to, to flow out of us. For, for, you'll see what I mean in a minute. I know you're all kind of like, yeah, just, you're just, all this just sounds really like mumbo jumbo. Hang with me. We'll get, we'll get to somewhere where you can land in a second. But the flow of God in our lives in, in a way that's going to make sense in context here in just a little bit. So there's three things that are going to come together to have God flow through you in, in a way that's beneficial to others. And so this whole section is talking about that. First thing is need, need. So in context, Paul was in a Roman prison. So we're going to read, uh, let's see, what's his name? Andrew Davis is our, our highlighted author of the day today. Andrew Davis, what do you have to tell us? He says, the prisons of the first century were barbaric. From the account or from the writings, we know that their feet were restrained in stocks in the worst part of the prison. Think about this. Just, just pause on this section. The stench of human waste must have been overpowering. The prison was in almost total darkness. They had to listen to the groans and cursing and complaints and foul speech of the other prisoners. As you're reading the book of Philippians, Paint that picture in your mind as Paul's writing, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, right? Think through where Paul really is at here. Yeah, it makes for a great sermon and whatever, but no, I want you to like, like put yourself in this place and because it's, it's easy just to read, oh yeah, that's Paul writing that. Okay, yeah, he's always challenging us. No, think of where he's at when he's writing this. I never really thought about the sensory experience of being in a Roman prison. Some days we get that walking into the church here, right? <laughs> With our sewer issues. It's been okay lately, the last couple of days. But, but just think about being immersed where you don't have any control, right? You're a prisoner, okay? And he goes on and he says, the five senses were on absolute overload with the suffering. Nothing of beauty I just I loved that line. I loved how he thought about that. There was nothing of beauty for them to put their eyes on. Nothing of beauty for their eyes, their ears, their noses, tongues, or skin to sense. Furthermore, their immediate prospects were dismal, if not terrifying. There was no food, drink, or medical treatment on the horizon. When you were in the prison there, and this is still true of prisons all over the world, um, they're not providing food for you. You're in prison. If you don't have people taking care of you, I guess you'll be in prison for a little bit. <laughs> Right? And then you'll get a free ticket out you know, in a coffin. But no one's taking care of them. So Paul had people that were taking care of his needs. So there was definitely a need. So let, we're going to look at one verse. Just We've already done this. This is out of chapter 2, but just, just to refresh your memory. Meanwhile, this is Philippians 2.25. Meanwhile, I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. He's a true brother, a co-worker, and a fellow soldier. 
he was your messenger to help me, what? In my need. Okay, just making aware that the context of these verses, that Paul's in need in prison. He needs, he needs encouragement. He needs actual food, right? He needs finances. He needs help. He's in need. So we see that he's in need. What is, what is the next component of walking in healthy kingdom flow, of, of seeing the kingdom of God flow out of our lives and touch other people's lives? It is desire. There has to be a desire to meet a need. And Paul actually, so I'm, I'm pulling all this stuff. Like, this is all stuff that you probably know, but we're preaching through the scriptures verse by verse. And here's what Paul is talking about in these two verses, or this one verse here, actually. He says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. You renewed your concern. You renewed your desire, your concern for what? Your, your concern for my well-being. Your desire to help me. You renewed your, you like, you kindled that want to. I want to help Paul. Like, it's one thing just to say, oh, that's too bad, right? That's sympathy. But the desire to help, the compassion, the empathy, the, the, the action producing. Uh, Chuck Swindle always said that compassion is sympathy with shoes on. Yeah, he's a lot smarter than me. <laughs> he's a good guy. You can have sympathy. I can feel bad for someone, but compassion is I feel bad enough to do something about it. And you see often that Jesus had compassion on the people. He didn't just feel bad for you. He felt bad enough to do something about it. Aren't you glad Jesus is still doing something about it? Yes. Amen. Amen. So they renewed their, their desire, their concern. So uh, we got a need plus a desire to help a need, and then we need one more component for this flow to, to begin. We need opportunity. And where do we find that at? Oh, we find this in the, these verses that we're talking about. You renewed your concern for me. Oh, wait. And then Paul's like, well, well, indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. You had no opportunity. So you, you knew I had a need. And at first, he's like, I'm glad you renewed your concern for me. But then I think maybe as he thought about it, you know, because he's writing this, there's no, there's no backspace key. There's no erasers, right? So he, so he wrote this. And then maybe he thought through it a little bit more, and he's like, no, I think you were concerned, but you didn't have an opportunity to show it. And you need all three of those ingredients. You need a need, a desire, and an opportunity. And when I'm talking about opportunity, and it's, it's a word that's in the scripture here, and what I'm meaning by that is either pathway or a provision. So maybe they didn't, I and mean, I don't know why they didn't have an opportunity. Maybe, maybe they didn't, they couldn't get the money, you know, like there was no FedEx or what, what's the uh, Western Union or whatever, you know, what's, what's, the, what's the app today where you get money? PayPal. PayPal. What's Venmo. Venmo, yeah, the Venmo. Like, I don't even know what that is, but here's my, here's my Venmo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Be right on that. But so, like, Maybe the lack of opportunity for the Philippian church to help Paul was that, well, Epaphroditus isn't going to be going for two more months yet or whatever. I don't know if that was the case. Or, so it's, it's a pathway, or maybe it's a provision issue. We really see, we see your need. We know that you're in need. We want to have compassion. We want to have sympathy with shoes on. We want to do something about it. 
we have a desire to help, but we like we're all broke, man. Like we can we're like we're eating ramen noodles, right? Like you know, like it's tomato soup one night and ramen noodles one night, and then the third night we don't eat. Like, and that could have been I don't know what the case was with the Philippian church, but they didn't have an opportunity. So they wanted to help, they had a desire to help, and there was a need to be met. But there wasn't an opportunity. We don't, we're not told exactly what that is. But those three ingredients need to come together. And when those three ingredients come together, we get God moments, good works, and kingdom generosity. The flow of God begins to happen. The flow of God begins to happen. And, and I just wanted to just, none of this is like rocket science. This is all stuff that you kind of know. We're preaching through the book of Philippians, and these two verses are in there, and Paul is pointing to a pattern. He's pointing to a formula that we should be walking in as kingdom followers. So we're going we're gonna to have just a, a tiny bit of introspection today as we walk through this, and we want to see that same kingdom flow happen in us. How do I know that? Well, let me show you a verse. It says in Ephesians 2.10 that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to sit on our couches and watch reruns on Netflix and have a good night. Hmm. I picked the wrong version, I guess. That's not what it says at all. It says we're created in Christ Jesus for what? <coughs> I didn't really hear you. For what? Which God prepared. A, oh, hold on. A, when my Christian life consists of intake and more intake, and I'm going to come to church, and I hope the pastor's good today, because I need to get something out of it. Need to get fed. Got to get fed. <laughs> Got to go get fed. Travis, like you, you don't have sheep, do you? There's no sheep up there, right? Just beef? But yet, I mean, you don't, you don't have to admit this, because I know you love your cows. <laughs> but like... Have you ever gone out and they're just like, and you're just like, oh, if I just, right? Sometimes, church, I'm just saying. Grow up and feed yourself a little bit. Come to church hungry for the presence of Jesus. And I like, man, I spend a lot of time working hard on these messages. I know it doesn't look like it sometimes. <laughs> so I want you to be, like, I, I want there to be some pull and, like, feed us. But at the same time, we should be self-sustaining as well. We should be in the Word of God, right? And so we're not created to just come to, the, come to church and better be comfortable. Oh, Josh better have made good donuts this Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> that coffee better be just the right temperature, right? Like, I, I want all those things, too, and I want them for you. But that's not what we're created for. We're created for doing good works. Yeah? Okay, you all mad at me now? Okay. It's a little? All right, well, you get over it. Which, which and, I, and I just want you to think about this. So what I just said is true. You know, I do spend a lot of time. I do research. I do agonize over this. You know, I pray. I listen to the Lord, right? That's just one message on one Sunday. God spent eternity past preparing good works for you to do. How sad for his heart if you're like, no, nah, that's not really for me. Think about that. 
God took the time to prepare them for you. Look at your neighbor. Say, for you. you. Yeah, and that's for you too. (laughs) Yep. I don't want to come to the end of my life. Like, this is, I'm just telling you right now, preaching is convicting sometimes. Lots of times. Because if you're doing it well, ouch, it just steps on your toes. And I don't want to get to the end of my life and just having a conversation with the Lord as we're face to face for eternity and taking a thousand years and the Lord's like, I'm going to give you the next thousand years to explain why you didn't want to do any of the good works that I spent eternity past preparing for you to do. And go. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not, like, this is not a guilt trip, right? You know me enough to, like, like that's just not how I roll. So, we're, we, you know, if I'm producing action in you out of guilt, then I've got to sustain it with guilt. Eh, you don't like that. I don't like that. Like, that's not, uh, that's not what we're doing. You know me enough to know that. But at the same time, it's a true scenario. Like, I know the grace of God is amazing, whatever, but did he or did he not prepare good works for you? He did. Man, I want to steward those well. So I want to do those good works. I want to see the kingdom of God perpetuated and multiplied on the earth. I want to see light displace darkness. I want to see life displace death. I want to see the goodness of God come to bear on this earth and this kingdom as I'm standing here today. Amen? I don't want to leave this worse than I found it. As a follower of Christ with the Spirit of God in me, I want to walk through this life leaving ripples of better than I found it. Amen? Galatians 6, 9 says, and you guys know these, but it says, let's not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity. Oh, that's one of the three things, isn't it? There's an opportunity to do good. As we have an opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. I'm going to just go ahead and skip the next one here. And we're going to go, what happens when I don't have all three of these? What happens when I don't have all three? So if there's a need, all right, someone needs something. Maybe someone needs, you know, uh, some counseling. You know, they need to, need to walk through some issues. Maybe someone needs food. Maybe, maybe a group of people are, you know, you know, have frozen pipes and nobody has water, right? There's, there's a need. We, there's a need out there. And there's a desire to meet the need right? But we don't have an opportunity. We get frustrated. We get frustrated in those moments because my heart is, is, is wanting to meet this need, but either I don't, I don't have the skills, I don't have the finances, or I don't have the, the pathway. Well, they're way over there. How would I get, would we drive over there? Like, how can we facilitate that? It's exactly what Stephen was talking about this morning. Stephen was saying, hey, there's an opportunity part of the, of the threefold equation to go scoop rice and scoop soy and scoop vitamins. And what's the fourth one that's in there? <laughs> what? Smile. They said smile. Smile and smile. <laughs> Scoop those things and smile. That's funny. That's good stuff. Stephen will be so proud of you guys. Vegetables. Vegetables is the fourth thing. There's an opportunity. We're aware that there's need, right? And we do honestly have a desire to help, but we don't always know how to. We don't always have a pathway to that. 
And its need is so great, I feel like I don't have the resources for that. And we're just saying, hey, here's one small opportunity that we can connect the dots. All three dots can get connected. Does that make sense? You need all three. So if we don't have the opportunity, either we don't have the provision or we don't have the, the pathway, oh, man, I feel so bad about the, the hurricane, you know, okay, the big, uh, what was that one? That was a hurricane, yeah, in Houston, when Houston flooded. Nope. That's a different one in Houston a few years back. And uh, we, we, we found a twofold way to make all three things happen. We found a need in Houston where everyone got flooded. We had a desire to help. We wanted to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We found an opportunity, a pathway, a pathway with a group called Eight Days of Hope. And so we had, I don't know, eight or ten of us that went down there. We had a need, there was a need in Oklahoma when the tornado went through and wiped out that whole town. And we had a desire to help because that wasn't that far away and we felt like maybe we could. And we struggled with the opportunity, the third part of that, the opportunity part. We got out on the phone and I wanted to take my family. My kids were little at the time. Taylor was only probably eight or nine. And we got on the phone and we're like, hey, how can, we, how can we help? Oh, thanks for calling. Hey, can I bring my kids? I've got a couple kids. We're from South Dakota. They know how to work. They're good kids, right? Like, these aren't city kids. Come on. These are <laughs> Is this on the air? Shoot. <laughs> oh, we're sorry. They need to be 16. And we called, and we called, and we called, and we called, and we were getting so sad. The opportunity part was missing. And finally, we got a hold of Journey Church. And I said, Is, can, can we talk to somebody? And they're like, well, they're out right now. We're going to have you talk to so-and-so. And God just orchestrated this. And I'm like, hey, I got these kids. And, well, we can't be babysitting. I'm like, no, we're going to watch them. They, but you won't need to. They work really hard, and they work well. And so we took a whole van load, I don't know, 13 of us or whatever. We went down to Oklahoma. And to the middle of Oklahoma where the tornado hit and it was 150,000 degrees. <laughs> we sweated. But you know what? Those kids worked like, like and I don't mean because we had three uh, youth group kids as well that went along. Those kids worked like dogs, man. They, they, just, they just worked hard and they didn't complain. And uh, so afterwards, like Journey Church, like the, the whole crew, and they, they had thousands of people come through and volunteer. And they, afterwards, they shut the thing down, and they said, you guys, can you stay? And we're like, yeah. So we stayed, and they're like, we've never seen a group work like this before. And by the way, how did they get here? You're supposed to be 16. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, well, the lady said it was okay. And we're like, well, yeah, she was out of the office. Well, whoever talked to you said they didn't know what they're talking about. Here's what they said. Those kids work harder than most adults that we know. And we had, they said, we babysit groups all the time. Like, sorry, this isn't meant to be like a, hey, yay, our group is awesome. But I'm kind of proud of them. They did amazing. But it was finding the opportunity. We kept calling. No opportunity. We had desire, and there was a need, but there was no opportunity. Huh. So get, but when you don't find the opportunity, you can do what we did. You can pray. God, just just orchestrate this. And God did. God's like, okay, we'll make her out of the office. All right. You can bring the kids. And it was amazing. And you can expect if, if, if you're like, I want to help, but the opportunity isn't there. Cause man, I, I got like two bucks to my name. Expect God to bring provision. Huh? 
Maybe God, who owns everything, can funnel some money your way as he sees your heart to give. You see what I mean? Like, every one of these that's deficient, it's a bad deal, but there's, an, there's something we can do, and we can look forward to future God moments. What about uh, if there's a desire and there's an opportunity, but there's no need? And you're like, wait a minute, there's always need. I have to tell you, as being a pastor and feeling the weight of stewardship, I've got an answer for what happens here. Every dollar that you guys give to God, guess what? God doesn't have a P.O. box. I do, right? I've got to manage that with a group of people with me. And we've got to make wise decisions. And so we're always looking for needs that we can point our Jesus gun at, right, and help, whether it's financial, whether it's resources. Hey, we're going to gather up a bunch of people and do this. Like, we're trying to steward this well. And so I've had these conversations with more people than you would think I would have them with, and they all have the same frustration. It's hard separating. We want to find the real need. What's, like, we want to find people that really need help. How do you find that in the clamor of... Everybody wants something these days or whatever. Like, how do we, how do we find true hurting people that we can minister to? Uh, Stephen was telling me two different stories. I didn't ask him if I could share this, but I'm not sharing names or anything. But just over the holidays, one group of people were like, we really want to reach out. So they called up Stephen. They're like, what should we do? <laughs> He's like, all right, do you want to give money or do you want to give goods or do you want to give services or all of those? Like, do you want to go and physically help? Do you want to, do you have stuff in your closet that you want to donate or do you have, like, I can give you different options for a lot of those. And so they talked through that. I don't even know what they did, but they, they had the desire. They knew there was a need, but they weren't quite sure where the need was at. Tell us where the need is so that we can pair our desire and our opportunity towards the right need. Does that make sense? Like, like I want to help, but I don't know who should get, like, and that's our prayer. Like, God, direct us to the people that, that re- like, everyone needs some help. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's overwhelming, so you can shut down. There can be no need just because of overwhelmingness. Well, everybody needs something. So I don't even know how to start or how what to do. We pray about that. It's a great opportunity to listen to the voice of the Lord and have the Lord direct your heart to where the need is at. How about uh, if there's opportunity and there's need, this is the most diabolical one, but there's no desire. (laughs) It means you guys got stony hard hearts and you're calloused and you're cynical, knock it off. (laughs) But that's why I put that one last because that's none of you guys. And I think I really believe that. You guys are so generous and you're so giving and you're so willing to step up and serve and love. But if we're finding that there's plenty of opportunity, man, you could serve here and give here and do that. And there's lots of need. We made that very clear. And you can see that. Oh, we can see there's a need there. Oh, why aren't you helping? Don't want to. Ow. That just is... Pastor, when you say it like that, it sounds offensive. I agree. I don't think we should say it like that, but that's really the truth of how it is. And that convicts my heart. And it just makes me feel not good about life sometimes. And I want to pray that God stir my heart, keep my heart soft. You know, Jim and Kathy, you know, have, like, they're not this last category. Like, they've got all kinds of stories about 
just having a soft heart, like like being able to put the desire together. And like the other two might be true. <laughs> Yet there's times we don't have opportunity. We're going to Watford City. Yep. How many people need help there? Well, about a bajillion. <laughs> well, how much is it to buy a building? About a bajillion. Okay, well, what do we get? There's no opportunity. But you prayed, you pressed in, you're like, we're going to create an opportunity. And God breathed on that. And, you know, eight years later, whatever it is, seven, nine, whatever it is, Ten coming up. Ten years later, there's a thriving ministry there meeting needs. Because they created, like they were in one of these categories. The last category is not is not where they live. They they have a compassionate heart and want to help. But if you know, if that is there, like we we are missing chances to help. All right, let's wrap this up with these thoughts. Where are you at today? Do you feel like on these three issues, you're firing on all cylinders? Do you feel like, yeah, I'm looking for needs. I've got a soft and compassionate heart and uh, got a desire to do it. And I've got opportunities. So I'm, I'm giving and serving. Or if there's a bottleneck, okay? If you feel like maybe there's more good works that the Lord has prepared in advance for you to do, where would you think, so here's my question today as we finish this up, where would you think the bottleneck is, and you know what that is, like a, like a hang up, like a, like a kink in the hose, which one of these three is the hose kinked in? Which one of these three is it backed up in? 2023, is it in the need department? Like, are you having a tough time knowing or seeing needs? We can, uh, if that's the case, we can really work on recognizing needs. Uh, Jim has talked about this, and Stephen has talked about this, being more intentional. And both of them have talked about just slowing down, right? If you're in the grocery store, hey, guilty as charged, and you're just rushing back to get the eggs, and you know you got to make milk and whatever, you got to get the, I don't know, Fruit Loops, and you got to get home because they're waiting for me there, and you could walk by 17 needs without ever, and the Lord's like, hey, oh, okay, this one, hey, <laughs> this one, hey, and the Holy Spirit's like, the fruit will away, just, hey, and we're not, we're, we're so rushed, we're, we're not being intentional about seeing the needs, or, you know, ask the church, or ask organizations, or do some research, but let's listen for the nudge of God to be aware, like, just, just be aware. Like, where is the need at? How can I serve and give? How can I serve and give in 2023? Second thing is, uh, where's your bottleneck? Is it, is it in the desire compartment? I'm going to soften the blow a little bit because I had a couple other thoughts that I was talking with Stephen about last night on our way back. Sometimes we don't have any desire to help because you're just crotchety. <laughs> right? You got a callous heart and you're stiff-necked and, right? But other times, you know, ask yourself, am I, am I cynical or callous? Ask yourself, am I distracted? I don't have a desire to help because I'm distracted. It's not that I've got a necessarily a hard, calloused heart or cynical, but I'm just distracted. Or I don't have a desire, you know, maybe I'm overwhelmed. Maybe I've got just misplaced priorities, Pray for a soft heart. But uh, this last one is what, what Stephen and I were talking about. Sometimes we don't have a desire to help because we don't think we can. Like you might have extra, but you've believed these, you've got fear. It's, oh, I don't think I could go scoop beans. I don't know. Like 
the desire is where the bottleneck is, but it's not because you don't have the opportunity and it's not because there's not a need, but maybe you're fearful or maybe you're insecure or maybe you've bought into the lie that the devil just keeps whispering in your ear that you're inconsequential. Nothing you do is going to make a difference. Who's going to listen to you anyways? Why are you even trying to help? Blah, 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 blah. Those things just ring in our ears. And know what it does to our desire to, to be a part of this kingdom flow? It just diminishes it. It just squishes it down. Insecurity or this identity that I can't help. Last one, where's the bottleneck? Maybe it's in the opportunity. So you got to ask yourself these questions. What gifts do I have? This is, this is about kingdom flow. It's not all like a, just about money or resources or whatever. What gifts do I have? How can I give my time, finances, and service? Like, what can I do to help? How can I meet needs? Some people just need some help. They just need someone to come and help them clean their closet for a day, right? I don't know. But these good works that God has prepared for you in advance, every one of them is going to look different. There's 7 billion people on earth. There's, there's, there's at least 7 billion just different good works. At least. That's if every person only gets one in their lifetime, right? There's billions upon billions of these good works that God has waited for you to respond to the unction of the Holy Spirit and for you to be like, all right, I'll help. I'll do that. I can do that. Is it uh, asking, how can I serve? What resources do, where do I have, I love this one, what, where do I have abundance in my life? Maybe you have abundance of time. Like, you, you know, gosh, I've got a, in this season of life, I've got a bunch of extra hours. Oh, man. Have you looked at the health of America lately, emotional health and mental health? People could use someone to sit down with that's not half cuckoo and has like, some stability in their life. Sometimes you just, I mean, it's funny, but it's not funny. That's why it's funny. It's because it's so true. You just inviting someone to coffee and just saying, hey, how's your life going? It's a resource. It's a resource. It's an opportunity. It's a, for you to bless someone with. Maybe you've got abundance of, I don't know, whatever, skills or like, You've got gifts. You've got things you could contribute. Trust me, there's needs out there. So if, if you identify with this one, the lack is really in the opportunity, just pray, God, highlight what I should be giving and show me how to give it. You know, if it's a gift, if it's time, if it's, if it's encouragement, whatever your, whatever your gifting is, like just flow in that. And that's what I have for today is just leaving us with just this little moment of introspection saying, I wonder, I wonder in my life, where, where do I miss, this is, this is all and we're done. Where do I miss the bulk of the good works that God has prepared for me in, in advance to do? Where do I miss most of those? Is it in the, in the recognizing the need area? Is it in the desire to want to help and serve and do something? Or is it in the opportunity, either the overflow or just knowing how to, you know, the connection, the pathway. I wonder where I miss most of those. Which compartment is it in? Because I want to be flowing in all three of those. I want to be recognizing needs. I want to have a compassionate heart that wants to help, and I want to see the opportunities and connect all of them and see the kingdom of God expand. Amen? Does that make sense? Are you still with me? Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this amazing group of people that has 
bundled up good works and they've got a backpack full of them and they're ready to go out into this world and minister life and joy and truth and hope. Lord, and I just thank you for every single one from one year old on up to a hundred year old, God, that just has opportunities desires and ability to meet needs, God. And we just thank you for stirring our hearts to do that today. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Amen.